Hey, health heroes, thanks for tuning back in. So let's jump right into it, therapy. We all know we need it, but there are many pathways to achieve mental wellness. If the last few years has taught us anything, it's made some of us realize that we are a bigger hot mess sandwich than we originally thought. <laughs> now let's be honest, there's a lot of skepticism and hesitancy around the idea of telling someone your innermost secrets. As if telling a stranger what you think is wrong with you will magically fix your whole life? Well, maybe it can. My guest today has been a licensed master social worker in New York State with over 20 years of experience working with children, adolescents, couples, and families. With extensive knowledge and training in dialectical behavioral therapy, and don't worry, we'll dive into what that is shortly, she has a vision to inspire others to live, not simply exist. Founder of Zen Life Therapy LLC and the Theodore Family Farm, Zorn's mission is to bring awareness to mental health, self-care, and mindfulness practices through developing awareness to the mind, body, and soul. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you our mental health hero of the day, Mrs. Zorin Lazarus Theodore. Hello and welcome, ma'am. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming all the way to your computer. I thank you for taking time out of your <laughs> crazy busy schedule. Ladies, she and gentlemen, she is the busiest woman on the planet. So let's get started and tell us what brought you down this particular path of wellness towards helping others. Okay. So I often reflect on that just to really keep myself grounded and reminded of where, why I started this work. And um, it really started actually in high school. I, when I was in high school, I took classes um, to get a CNA. So I was taking a lot of health classes. And in doing that, I got connected to a hospital where I was working with individuals who were had medical is issues, problems that resulted in them being paralyzed. And although I went to this internship to really learn the medical piece of it, I found myself, because during that time and still today, I love talking, <laughs> I found myself connecting with the patient at a different level. Wow. You know, I learned much about their family system. I didn't know that back then. Right. I just knew that I was connected and they were from all ages. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized now that they were giving me hope, right? Here they were for me as a 17-year-old looking at someone laid in bed that would no longer walk or run or dance, mm -hmm. yet they had a smile on their face. That's the way able to tell jokes and have aspiration for the future. So I went on to life, went on to college, thought I was going to be a nurse, but that always sat with me. Right. The way that felt sitting with someone one-on-one, -on -one, really getting to know them in their environment. And for most of them, they were there long-term, mm. you know, for the long-term care. And um, right halfway in my bachelor's degree program, I go to my... Um, the guidance there. And um, I said, I don't think I want to do nursing anymore. Just wasn't aligning with me. Right. Didn't know it as a 19, 20 year old, what that even meant. Right. And she says to me, well, Zoran, what else are you good at? And I said, hmm, well, my mom says I talk. Right. My friend says I give really good advice. 
And I kind of really enjoy just being around people. Right. She said, well, you ever thought about psychology? And I took one psychology class and the rest is history. Wow. That's amazing. Our parents tend to know the, the unique traits that we have, right? But I think Caribbean yes. parents always know when we talk too much. <laughs> I used yeah, to always. The interesting part about that is that in class, I didn't talk. Oh. So when my mom went to parent teaching conference and the teacher says to her, well, Miss Lazarus, your daughter's really quiet. And instead of accepting that, she said, really? Because at home, she talks a whole lot. Right, right. Thanks, mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was this, actually, I was the opposite. I, I got talks way too much in class my entire life. I mean, even in high school, they were like, yeah, she's a chatterbox. My mother was like, yeah, mm -hmm, she don't shut up. It's okay. So I knew I was going to be the next Oprah. It's perfect. I was aligned from then, right? Yes. <laughs> so explain to us what is dialectical behavioral therapy and how does that influence your practice? Like, what does your practice look like? Okay. Yeah. So dialectical behavior therapy is an evidence-based model. And it was developed to help individuals, people who struggle with their emotions and their behaviors. Okay. So it's skill focus. So in dialectical behavior therapy, when I'm teaching, whether I'm teaching it in a classroom setting or an individual, we're really focusing on increasing their skills to decrease these areas in their life that they're that are very challenging. So it's very skill focused um, and the core of it is mindfulness. And that's how I tie in mindfulness because mindfulness is awareness. Okay. So if we go to the core of awareness, I, an individual has to be aware that there's an issue. Mm -hmm. What are these behaviors that are occurring? So typically in my individual or family, I'm teaching awareness. Mm. Let's locate the self. How are my behaviors showing up? how my pattern is growing up, activating curiosity of what's standing in my way, right? Standing in an individual's way. Once I go through that, then I'm able to teach skillful behavior. Wow, that's incredible. I'd never heard of this type of therapy before. Um, I think the public in, in general is aware of talk therapy, right? And there are, there are, you know, varied things. I mean, I watch a lot of Law and Order, so I've seen different things that I'm just like, oh, I have no idea yeah. <laughs> what yeah. these things really are. But I, I understand that within our culture, it's very frowned upon to seek therapy because, yes. I, I mean, I don't know about you guys out there in the audience, but I know from my family, it's like, why do I need someone to tell me what's wrong with me? I know what's wrong with me. No, the point is to have yeah. someone help you fix what's wrong with you, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. So how do you get your patients, um, other than trust building, how do you get them to actually come in and, and prepare to do the work or open up to doing the work? Because you work with kids, you work with families, you work with adults, you might work with traumatic instances. Like, what is that like? Right, right. So building rapport is extremely important in the work that I do. Mm -hmm. I say I meet the client where they are the individual where they are. So as they're coming into, whether it's a telehealth or in person, the idea is to create a space where they can come, no matter where they are in their life. For some individual, it is healing. For some individual, it is rediscovery or discovering 
or realigning themselves. Mm. So different individuals come for, you know, different reasons. Um, but so it's building that before and then really allowing the space for them to be or teaching them to be as vulnerable as possible. And vulnerability is really saying, you know, this is a judgment-free zone. Right? And most individuals, you may have some individuals with it initially change. They want to change. Mm-hmm. They recognize that something is going on and they want to see improvement in their lives. For some clients that I get, they're there because someone told them they have to be there. Yep. <laughs> right? So for those, it's really helping them to, there goes that word, that mindfulness being aware, right? Helping them to just communicate. What is going on in your life? And initially, I often hear something like this. Well, I don't think I need anyone to speak to. Mm-hmm. I don't need anyone to talk to. That's what I have my best friend for. And I go, okay. And I keep going with it. And as we're talking and, and they're sharing a little bit more, I just, you know, we get to about 30 minutes. In and I say, excuse me, this is therapy. <laughs> it's just that opportunity to have someone, right? That's right. space. With uninterrupted space. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a it's a neutral person, right? Um, that really allows again that space for you to can share right. in a non-judgmental space, and that's when you start to realize that all that stuff that people hold on to yeah. tend to come out. I often say, we go to, and get our hair done, and we go in, we come out, and we get the done the hair done, right. self care. You get your nails done, you the color, you come out, and it's completely done. Therapy is not that. Mm-hmm. It can go as slow as fast as the individual. It's a process. Yeah. It's a journey. Right? So for each individual, it's different. Yeah. I consider myself an eclectic therapist. Mm. So it's not a one-fit-all. Right. I use different modalities. And I use the client. The client is the expert in their life. Mm. And I come from a strength perspective. So each of us have strengths. So the goal in that space is to utilize that strength to really help them through this process. So how would you um, advise someone who is looking for a therapist to go about finding the right one for themselves? Right. That's a good question. That that often comes up. Okay. You know, I often meet with clients um, and they come back to me maybe a year or two later and they say, Zori, we went out there and we just cannot find someone that really connect with us. If you're at the place where you're ready to make that, you know, that leap to say, you know, I know or I don't know that I need to speak to someone and I really need just that space and honor that space where I can you know, work on myself or issue or challenges, so forth. I would say to make those calls, ask yourself, for some individual, they need a woman. Mm-hmm. For some individual, they know they're looking for me. I'll give you an example. I had a conversation with a client, uh, potential client that was referred to me. And as I'm talking to this young man, I have gotten some background that he really was struggling with even therapy, the idea of that. He had utilized therapy a few years ago and did very well and elevated. And, but he was just in that place again that would benefit him to speak to someone. Mm-hmm. 
And um, he got connected with me and I started speaking with him, doing a free consultation. And as he started talking, it's not that he didn't want to try therapy again. He just was, wasn't sure what he was looking for. And I started asking him certain questions. And at the very end, help him to realize that he was looking for a male therapist, mm. okay. that he was looking for a therapist that was a Christian therapist, mm. that he was looking for a therapist that he would prefer in person versus telehealth. Right. Right. So it's really going through that. What specifically am I looking for? Then I have clients I don't know. Right. I had another mom that was looking for therapy for her daughter. She goes onto my website and she gets me a call and very vulnerable, just me and me. She said, Zoran, I saw your picture and I felt that we could connect. Wow. And as her and I started talking and things like that, you know, started talking a little bit more about culture and things like that, she was looking for a specific cultural, you know, therapist that could connect with her daughter. Right. So what are you looking for? Is taking that leap and I make it not knowing who I'm going to connect with as a barrier. And I often say, if you don't connect with someone, don't stop there. Keep looking. Right. That's the hardest part because I know people who have looked for and have gone to therapy and it's not been the right fit and then they give up on it. So yes. I know that like for younger individuals that I've spoken with, um, they have had the perception that Therapy doesn't work if the therapist isn't telling them that they're right. And I'm like, but yeah. therapy isn't supposed to tell you you're right. It's supposed to tell you where you need to work on things. Yes. So it's really a difficult path to navigate to try and get folks to understand that they should keep trying. So that's Correct. a note out there, y'all. Keep looking for the person and the right fit because you right. will be able to find it. But also ask questions of the people that you're sitting down with to to actually block off things that you don't want, right? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the Theodore family farm. What is that concept? What is it? How did it come about? So please give yes, us everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm super excited. It's been, um, aside from Zen Life Therapy, about a year ago, my husband um, opened up the Theodore family farm. And we partnered with Brother. Um, at the farm, the farm is located in Plant City, Florida. Because I'm in New York. It's the farm in New York. It's actually in Plant City, Florida. Um, but the farm does have livestock. And as a mental health provider, I often say that nature is natural healer. Mm. So I'm able to integrate the two. We have crops, we have livestock that we sell. But we, I'm also through satellite, been able to integrate um, the therapeutic aspects of nature and mental health. Wow. So we are providing events, we're providing retreats uh, to really utilize that natural space to be able to connect people to living in nature. Wow. So is it livestock? Is it like do you have cows, chickens, horses? Not cows or horses yet. We started with goats mm. and chicken. Okay. And then we have all tons of different crops. We have a 10 acres farm. Wow. So you guys eat from the land? like Yes. The, the one thought is living 
living in nature. Okay. Right? One with nature. Mm-hmm. Knowing your farmers, knowing where your food is coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so often if I have clients that come right on the farm and they're able to walk through the farm, find spaces that they can connect, you know, you see creams, all the colors around you, you to hear the, the animals, you speak to the farmers, um, and so forth. So really just providing that zen, that peaceful space where it. you can really connect with yourself. Yeah. I think we, especially, I know for me, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. And I often have to put a pause. Right. And the farm allows us to do that. Just pause for a second. That's a beautiful You know, the phone is down, Instagram is turned off. And I'm really utilizing nature, natural, right. to just reconnect with myself. Disconnect. That's the, that's the thing. That's as a hustle nation, and especially us New Yorkers, we do not disconnect often enough. Yes. So I think that's pretty amazing. So you have children. Um, yes. How do you involve your children into the family therapy life? Like, how are they part of the family business? Right, right. So I have to, we have three children. Um, we have a 22-year-old, um, Jared. We have a 19-year-old, Zarvia, And we have a 13-year-old, Jaden. Um, J and Z. Yeah. And I don't know why I did that because I often, Jared, Jaden. Yeah. And, and they don't answer me unless I get the right name. I, you know, kids are like that, but also adults are like that. Like, we will, I have an aunt that will call everybody else's name but yours. And she's looking dead at you. But she'll go, you know who I'm talking to. You answer. Just yes. forget that. I well, know. my kids do that. They I, look at me and it's like, no. The name is so close together, I mix it up. But I wanted G's and Z's. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm Zorba, Zaria, Jerry, Jaden, and my husband is James. Oh, okay. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful until you try to call them. And right. Mix Listen, them up, all you yeah. have to do is just be you. You know I'm talking. Come here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I think I'm getting paid back when my mom would call me my sister's name. Oh, yeah. And I would look at her and she said, You know, I'm talking to you. It's only you and I in the house. And I said, Well, you didn't call my name. Right. So I think it's payback because I do that payback. too. <laughs> my mother's sister. She'll, she'll look at me. She'll go, Farrah, Kathy. I'm like, No, no. And she goes, ah, You just come here. You're like, All right. Yes. Yes. Hilarious. Yes. So how do, your, my, my, how do your kids get involved in the whole practice? Yes. My 19-year-old daughter, Zaria, she's in college. She's a second-year college social work student. Oh. Um, and I have to say that initially, I wasn't sure if it was something that I was inspiring her. But come to find out, she really inspires me. Wow. You know? Yeah. So she's a social work student. And I often teach mother-daughter groups. Oh, okay. So she comes along and she does the team portion of it. Mm. And her passion is really about self-care, you know, um, really being in tune with natural roots mm-hmm. and things like that. So she does groups with me. Mm. My oldest, he went to school for designing. Okay. So he does a lot of fashion and music and beats and stuff like that. Mm. He's recently started working at the dad of the engineer. Okay. Um, so he's first. Right. And he has come with me to do self-love for men. From a perspective of a, of a young man. Yeah. And I encourage that because we don't often, you know, 
when we talk about generational stuff, um, men struggle to yes. seek therapy. Yes. So I do appreciate him really being able to help in this field to be able to pass that word and not and showing that therapy and self care, self love for men is not a dirty word. Right. It's not anything to be embarrassed of either. I think yes. that we've raised our men in such a tough love kind of fashion that they feel intimidated or embarrassed in taking any time for themselves because it's, it, it comes off as weakness in the mm -hmm. eyes of the uneducated, right? Yes. So we have to educate ourselves and our, our young men because I have a son, my son's 26 and I, I constantly am hoping that I'm showing the right examples but mm -hmm. there's only but so much I can do and, and express as a woman. He right. needs to mm -hmm. learn it from another man and from other men who are doing that. So that's a really, really good thing. Does your husband take part in some of those, those things too? Not a therapeutic piece of it. He does a lot of the work with the Theodore family farm. Right, right. Even though he doesn't, he's not a, I guess, an architect or anything like that. He's really good at building. Okay. And, and creating and things like that. So he kind of focuses on that hmm. and know when I'm doing my events, stay out of my way. Because <laughs> I'm so, you know, he had to learn. He was talking to me and things like that. And he realized when something is your passion and you are in that space, you don't hear or see anything. Hmm. You're really there to connect with your audience yes. and, and create a space for them. Right. So he has learned that studying is in her in her space so he's really good at just developing the the, the space for me right you know, the physical space and, yeah yeah the physical space correct that's cool stay out of mommy's way i got it yes. <laughs> now how about your youngest <laughs> what does your youngest like to do my youngest is he just turned 14 um and he is still he sees what i do you know the interesting part about this when you're raising children you know Earlier on, I would tell them, I would use, I'm going to tell you the story. Mindfulness, we talked about it earlier. Yeah. It's awareness. Absolutely. Um, it's being in the moment, mm -hmm. living life with your eyes wide open. And for a long time, I was teaching them this at home. But I tell you with kids, they don't do what you say, they do what you do. Very true. So often when I wasn't aware, especially my youngest, would very clearly state, Mom, you're not being mindful. So I'm still real. I'm watching him grow and see what we are doing. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's hearing what we're saying, right. but mostly what we're doing. And then we'll see where he takes it in his own life and his own career. Right, right. That's but beautiful. for now, you know, if I go to an event that has to do with teens, he comes along and he helps me. I want to say that he. I would like to say he signs up. But the reality is, is that I signed him up right. and he gives me the look <laughs> like, mom, you signed me up. But once we leave and we start to process, he's like, that was really fun. Yeah. Which is the confirmation to me. He's signing him up. Yeah. Yeah. Keep putting him in the things and he'll be fine because he's yes. going to, he's going to get the best of, of whatever it is that has to offer. And you're not going to put him in a place that he's not going to be at least getting something good out of the whole situation. You know, yes, parents, is. parents tend to think everything we sign our kids up as far as fun and kids tend to think everything we want them to do is boring. 
but there's right. a balance. <laughs> it's like it, yeah. it actually works out. My son used yeah. to hate when I would drag him to the library, and he's an avid reader now. And I'm just yeah. like, library is not just sitting in a corner and reading a book. There was always something like in the children's section or some kind of event, a puppet show or whatever that was going on. And I'm like, see, these things are fun. I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> I tried to impart that no on my kid. Like literally we would have conversations and I'm the kind of person that I don't realize if I'm using big words because I don't change who I am and how I speak for anyone. Like that's right. just, you know, how I am. And my son would go, hold on and run upstairs to go get his thesaurus and come back and go, okay, what was that? All right, good. Yeah. Instead of saying, I didn't understand the word she just said, I'm just going to let it go over my head. No, he wanted to know the words. So yes. we do rub off on our kids uh, yes. in, in more of a positive way than we think. Thank God. Yes, I agree. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about generational trauma and embracing therapy now more than ever. I think with the advent of the pandemic and the lockdown, we saw a lot of people saying, you know what, I need to figure this out and get help in some way, shape or form. But I think it unearthed a large aspect of generational trauma amongst particularly our people. Um, so how would you address people going into therapy with these traumas and would you encourage them to try to bring their older family members into it or how do you address those things when you have when you have them come up in your session yeah okay so with generational trauma some individuals that come with trauma which is a different type of work right trauma informed often don't recognize that it's generational stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have to just, again, engage them, right? Build that rapport, allow for that space um, and bring awareness that the behavior that they are currently displaying really comes from somewhere. What is the root? Yeah. And that is the work in the trauma, right? What is the root? Mm -hmm. For some individuals do come understanding the root of the situation. Uh, some of those family members are no longer living. Yes. So how do I heal yeah. when a family member is no longer living? Yeah. So you can do that work with that individual. Now for the youth, I believe in family system. Okay. So for the youth, I'm working with a client who might be the youth, and I'm also working with a family, bringing awareness to them. And there's such a gap. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time. So what the youth are saying and what the parents are saying are so opposite. Mm. So it's really given the parents that they have carried on their generational right. idea of how things should be, you know, or especially when it comes to therapy where what happened in the home stayed in the home. Right. Yes. We didn't talk about those things. Right. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost a version of betrayal to speak out to someone outside of the family, all of the things that happened, which uh -huh. is what created so much of the nonsense and the, the, the things that we have to actually muddle through on a daily basis. Right. I always knew you can't tell anybody what was going on in your household behind closed doors as a kid. Correct. Right. So that's what 
to me fostered a lot of the the horrible things like you have that uncle that nobody talks about and you know that he's there and he's a part of the family, but he, you can't tell anybody else. Or conversely, you have your siblings where you guys might have conflicts, but outside the home, you can't talk about my sister. I can, you can't. (laughs) Right. Right. So it gives you that, that whole conflict that you have to kind of break down. Now you have to deal with parents and children And I, I recognize how old I am when I'm out in the streets and it seems like the kids are speaking a completely different language. And I don't mean Ebonics. How do you make the translation to get both sides to meet in the middle? Right, right. And that's a part of the DBT. The D in DBT is called dialectic. Mm -hmm. And dialectic means that you have your truth and I have my truth. And considering the two, truth creates a new truth. Right. So I often bring that piece Mm -hmm. into therapy with individuals, with the youth and the family, being able to allow the youth to speak their truth, being able for the parents to speak their truth Mm -hmm. and validating each other. Now, validate doesn't mean that I agree with you. Okay. It means that I hear you. Mm. Right. And it's your truth. I don't have to share your truth. Right. So I spend a lot of time being able to, for the youth to feel validated. It really brings the temperature down when an individual feels like they're being heard. Yeah. Sometimes it's not that they even want you to tell them that they're right. They want to be heard. The acknowledgement. They want that acknowledgement. Mm, okay. And parents do too. They want to be able to say, I hear you, mom. Right. And... With DBT, we often use the word and. Instead of but. I, instead of but. <laughs> yeah. I hear you and I need you to come home at 9 p.m. Mm. Because it really makes, I can't rest when you're not home. Right, right. Something like that. Yeah. Where the youth now saying, well, mom, you know, all my friends are staying till 10 p.m. And often I feel you know, isolated because I have to leave. Right, right. And then together they might say, okay, not nine, nine, ten. What about nine thirty? Right. We read right in the middle, that middle path. And that takes some time to really learn. Mm-hmm. That's the mind shift. Yeah. Learning something new. Yeah. You know, I remember I was I grew up with you know, you say what I say. Do not ask why. Because I said so. Right. <laughs> Oh, that was the law because I said so. Lord, and that is in every language. Lord Jesus. <laughs> yes, yes. So we're coming away from that. I often teach in, in family mm-hmm. right? We're coming away from we want to hear what a child says. They are human. Yeah. What they say, how they feel. We want to validate that. And we're teaching them. They want at one point are going to be adults. Yes. So you want them to learn. And normalize speaking your truth, not shutting down. And I can't speak how I really feel mm-hmm. because if I do, it might be seen as disrespectful. Exactly. Exactly. Us speaking our truths or us speaking in general, because remember, we learned that rule of a child is seen and not heard. Speak when yes. spoken to, it was yes. taken as disrespect. So right. we had to overcome that in order to teach our kids. All right. You know, but I think I kind of bordered on the, 
you can speak, but watch how you say what you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> watch how you talk yeah. to me, boy. You know, right. so right. absolutely. That's, that's And that's the perspective that the parent can take and say, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak with clear boundaries. Yes. Yes. Right. Because we're still the parent. Yes. Clear boundaries. Um, and being able to say when things are not clear, mm-hmm. things does get a little blur. Mm-hmm. People say things or youth might think they can say things and get away with it. Because they test boundaries. Correct. And they're supposed to. Right. And that's the other piece I got to teach parents. When a child is testing, you know, is it typical or not typical? It is typical to mm-hmm. test the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Is how we respond to that. That's true. That's amazing. So how has therapy helped you personally in your life? Well, therapy for me, right? I often say every therapist needs a therapist. (laughs) And I would love to say that my sister, who is my best friend, is my therapist. But I myself have seen therapy, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. And specifically to just really, I was in a place where I just wanted to gain some insight. Yeah. So what stands out for me in my journey in therapy is gaining that insight mm. by not letting things stay, be a barrier for me. Wow. And like I said earlier, therapy for each individual is different. Bio-individual. So that's how, yeah. yeah. So that's how it helped me to really gain insight and really break down some of those barriers. Okay. So what are some of your favorite self-care practices? This 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 season the theme is self care so I need I need all the juice. <laughs> I love it. I said self care is important because I'm important, Joe. Amen. I'm important. Yes. And we talked earlier about my family life, mm-hmm. and I often give a lot of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm in the helping field. I call it my it is my calling. Yes. Um, but the the person in that that's the common theme is myself. Right. And I said, what is, I often tell this to my client, what is the first relationship you're going to have? The one with you. And the first relationship is with your caretaker. Yeah, that's true. Then the second question is, what is the longest relationship you're going to have? And that's the longest relationship is with yourself. Yeah. We're going to come and going to go, but the common theme is you. So you got to take care of you. We cannot pour from an empty cup. That's true. I've tried oh. on E. I'm going to tell you, one day I told my friend, my daughter was a, I was a dance mom for many years. Mm-hmm. And I told my friend as I'm driving my car, and I said to my friend, what happens when your car, like when I don't have any more gas, like what happened? I was one of those moms where I was going, you know, from, from place to place, like I'm right there, almost on E. And she said, well, you'll know when you're running out of gas. It's going to make a sound. <laughs> And I had to reflect on that, that that's much how our mind and our body works yeah. when we're running on E. Mm-hmm. It gives us a signal. Yeah. And we say, I'll take care of it. I got another 10 miles. I have another 10 miles. Until you know, mommy, you, you just, you know. You just stop. Things, you just stop. The body stops. So that self-care is extremely important for me in that sense, right? But my favorite, okay. and I often use this one because it's so true, uh, is nap. Ooh. I really encourage pausing and giving to myself. I like quiet time. Okay. 
I like that time where I can restore my soul. That's so I take my I take my nap and people ask, well, when you take a nap, are you more tired? I said, no. I take my nap, I shut everything down. And you know, when it's time when my body's ready, because gets up and I continue. So quiet time is extremely important to me. I do it in the morning, first thing. I look at self-care as mind, body, and spirit. So I ask myself, I try to tap into all three when I'm talking about self-care. So self-care, when I ask myself, how am I self-caring my mind? For me, it's journaling, it's meditating. My body tells me, my body acts differently when I'm not doing more. So it's my self-care for my body is exercising or taking a walk. If I don't have time for 30 minutes, yeah, I take I get in my 10-minute walk. Right. Oh, that's great. Like, yes. And then my spiritual self-care is my prayer time. Mm. Of, you know, or connecting with someone that fills my spirit, right. my soul. Sometimes yeah. I do enjoy listening to bedside Baptist, like I might have something that someone sends me that they're like, oh, this is a word. And it's, it's, you know, maybe a 15 minute speech, but it's something that like feeds my soul and feeds what I need at the time. Yeah. So I love that. I love listening to gospel music. Like I'm that kind of person. I used yes. to sing in a choir as a kid. So gospel music gets me every time. Yes. But, um, you know, and movement, I definitely identify with the movement. I work out every day. And if I can't work out, it shows and I'm cranky. And sometimes my husband mm-hmm. cracks up because I love to go swimming and I'll come home from a swim and pass out on the couch. Right. But, yeah. but he leaves me alone and he goes, nope, she needs, she, he'll turn everything off. He closes the blinds. He puts a blanket on me, like tucks me in. She's tired. <laughs> Let her have yeah. that because you can't function without you can't. resting your body and restoring what you need. So right. I love that. And I claim that. Um, I remember when my kids were younger, um, they would come in and I said, oh, mom needs a minute. And now that they're older, I said the same thing. I need a minute. And at the time, I wasn't really sure what I was doing, especially before I became a therapist, I was doing it. But as I became a clinician, I realized that I was teaching them how to self-care. True. So now true. my daughter, she will. And she, I allow that space for her to say, I need a minute. Awesome. Sometimes I do the mother thing. Like, what do you mean you need a minute? Come on, let's talk. This is the way it's school. You right. can have a minute on your weekend. Right. You're only here for two days. <laughs> but that's what she needs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what my 13, whatever they need, I allow for it. And I allow them to speak their truth. Yeah. Without penalties. Without penalty. That's great. That's great. I want to be one of your kids. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what was, I'm going to ask you a couple of fun questions. Um, You don't really have to think about them too hard, but what was the last fun book you read? Oh, the last fun. Okay. I think I might have it here. It is called, do I have it here? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I have two of them. One of them, I don't know. You may not be. You say you you like reading and things like that, but I do have the anxiety handbook <laughs> that I'm reading. Oh my goodness! But I also have a book that's called. I don't want to mess up the, the title. It's called Zen F. It has the F word in there. Wow. <laughs> yes. 
send it out, something like that. Uh, okay. I don't want I don't want to mess it up. I thought I had it right here. Actually, I do on my desk. That's hilarious. Zen as F. Oh, Zen as F. I love it. <laughs> yes. And it's a journal. Okay. And it just goes through the pen on the wow. and you know, yeah. So what is the anxiety handbook about? Like the anxiety handbook is the seven step plan. Um, understand on, and manage your anxiety. Okay. Yes. I like understand that. And managing and overcoming anxiety. <laughs> so for some folks, you know, maybe other things, like you said, I think you mentioned, you said, I'm a nerd and, and I, I was shaking my head to that because I'm like, me too. <laughs> I just finished um, Cicely Tyson's memoir and I was never really into memoirs before, but I just finished hers, which had so many wonderful things in it. And I, I just started um Jennifer Lewis's memoir as well, the actress okay. from uh Blackish, the mom from Blackish. Okay, yeah. She was she was um Anthony Anderson's mom in the book. I mean yes. in the show. Um hilarious. So uh, for some reason I'm finding those are fun because you can relate to some of the stuff they're talking about and there's yeah. a lot of historical nuggets and it's like, oh that's mm -hmm. cool. But listen, everybody's fun that. books are bio-individual. Like I'm not, <laughs> I ain't gonna yuck your yum. Whatever you like is all good. <laughs> so, um, what is a therapy myth that you want to dispel? What do you wish would never be said again? <laughs> hmm, that I that you gotta be crazy to go to therapy. You must be crazy if you're going to therapy. Are we all crazy though? That's the point. <laughs> we all have something. We, you know, I work with. And this is a part of me. Every every clinician is different, but me, I'm authentic, right? I come in and I'm I am who I am. Yeah. So I do a lot of laughing in therapy. Oh. Of course, not when they're you know when being emotional and things like right. that. I hold space for the my client, but I laugh and I have a good time, and, and we end up having a good time. And um, I tell my client, I said, "This is your space." It gives them a different idea. Of what therapy is, right? Would not the idea that you have to be laying on the couch and and it, you, you know you gotta whatever myth right. people have in there, and and I know there's myth because when I, we're like midway to meeting each other, I often hear things like, "I didn't think therapy was like this." Yeah, you're pretty easy to talk to. I thought this would have been harder. Why did it take me this long to come to therapy? Yeah, which are all signs of how good you really are. And I want to thank you for taking the space and really, really helping our community in so many ways as you do. I think you are a rock star. I mean, from the moment Zoran and I had our very first conversation, we talked forever. We were like, girl, yeah. and then this, and it was just so easy. So that means that you have the gift that you are doing exactly what you're meant to be doing. This really is your calling. And I thank you for all of those people who are about to run to you and be like, I need to sit on your couch. I need a therapy session. <laughs> Y'all should all go to her. So how can everybody, if they want to reach you, how can people reach you? Well, they can go on. First of all, I want to thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I appreciate it. And thank you for the space that we have. You know, it's really important able to talk about this topic yeah. so i appreciate that uh but you can reach me at 
And my website is zenlifetherapyllc.com. You can connect with me there through email if you wanted to. Leave me a note to say hello. Um, and then on IG is zenlife underscore therapy. Great. Thank you so much, Ms. Zorin. This has been an incredible conversation. I'm sure that everybody's going to glean something and grab some gem from all of your wealth of knowledge. And I really appreciate you coming on the platform. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. This was great. Yay! (laughs) Well, my friend, the time has come. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to the Be Your Own Health Hero podcast. Don't forget to tell all your super friends that they can find me on their favorite podcast platforms, on Instagram as BYO Health Hero, or you can email me at info at beyourownhealthhero.com. Please like, subscribe, and share. I'm your host, Joe Martinez, and until next time, I'm out.